Hey, York Alliance. Welcome back to the York Alliance Daily for Wednesday, November 8th. Hope you're doing well today as we journey together towards Jesus and uh, finally hit the weather that I like. So uh, no more weather reports, but I just want to let you know it's getting cold. That makes me happy. Anyway, I hope you are doing well as we journey through uh, this season, as well as the series on preaching the gospel, this practice series on uh, engaging the um, the the story of Jesus and uh, talking to others about it, uh, and specifically this week, uh, begging the question and uh, inviting the response. And uh, we, we didn't talk a ton about the response that we should have. Uh, so um, in uh, in First Peter three fifteen, he says that we should be ready to give an answer for the hope that we had. And we, and we talked about the specifics of begging the question, but we didn't necessarily talk about what, what the answer is. And of course, some of that has been what we've talked about all through the series, which is why I didn't spend a lot of time there. The gospel is the answer to the question. Um, the story of God that we uh, laid out, that four-part creation, fall, redemption, restoration, uh, the invitation into the fullness of the work of God, that's, that's all what we're... That, that's That's all what the answer is to be. But what I want to talk about today is the fact that some of us are are intimidated, afraid, or um, feel disqualified to answer the question um, because of the brokenness of our own individual lives. And, and I don't, I, that, that could have a, that idea of brokenness could have a really wide range. So that could be anywhere from um, uh, deliberate disobedience and um, uh, s- problems that are deep in family structure or life structure uh, that you're kind of trying to figure out and work your way through. It could just be a, a, a sense of like, I don't know enough, or I'm, uh, I, I'm not fully committed enough, or um, I, I, I'm, I'm not the kind of person who should be a poster child for Christianity. And so therefore, I don't want to answer the question because it's going to put me in a position where people will think that I, I know what I'm talking about or I, that I'm a, a person worth emulating and I know that I'm not. And so therefore, I just don't even want to answer it at all. There's all kinds of reasons in our hearts as to why we're not willing to give an answer to those who are asking us for the hope that we have. When the question is begged, sometimes we just don't want to answer the question. And uh, I've been thinking a lot about that and been thinking a lot about the way that uh, the sovereignty of God and the the bigness of God works into our uh, fallibility and our inabilities, our, our brokenness. So like when when we don't have everything put together, how does the the glory and the goodness of God work when we have um, uh, when we have competing or uh, less than pure motives? How does the the glory and the fullness of God work? Like um, when things aren't as they should be, and yet we're still asked to give an answer for the hope that we have. How does the greatness and the glory of God work? And I came across this uh, quote from uh, Richard Foster's book on prayer, which is a really uh, excellent. Richard Foster is, uh, if you're not familiar with him, uh, Celebration of Discipline is his most famous work. But he's a, he's a Quaker writer who um, has just some beautiful insights into the contemplative life and uh, what it means to be a person of simplicity, a person of prayer, things that are uh, very kind of clearly lined up with the Anabaptist tradition, um, but also have been uh, kind of deeply formed in him. He's one of the fathers of uh, the modern spiritual formation movement. 
And uh, in his book on prayer, this is what Foster says. Let me read it for you and uh, try to stick. I know quotes are tough on a podcast, but try to stick with this quote. He says this, The truth of the matter is we all come to prayer with a tangled mass of motives, altruistic and selfish, merciful and hateful, loving and bitter. Frankly, this side of eternity, we will never unravel the good from the bad, the pure from the impure. But what I've come to see is that God is big enough to receive us with all our mixture. We do not have to be bright or pure or filled with faith or anything. That is what grace means. Not only are we saved by grace, we live by it as well, and we pray by it. And it's such a beautiful idea of praying by grace, that God uh, purifies our motives as we come to prayer. But I think we also, I would say, witness by it or preach the gospel by it. So um, we're not only saved by grace, we live by grace, we pray by grace, and we proclaim the truth of the gospel to the world around us by grace. That's the heart of, of what it means to be people of grace, that we recognize uh, I, this This is true. The gospel of the kingdom is at hand. Uh, the, the, the new order that Jesus has inaugurated of the rule and reign of God that's available for all people, that, that's true. And whether or not I'm fully living in it or whether or not um, this side of heaven, my motives are pure as it relates to my declaration of it, that's not really the point. The point is that um, God in his bigness can sift through all of that. He can, he can manage it. So when I have a, a neighbor or a friend or a coworker who wants to talk about faith, rather than backing up because uh, I'm concerned that my motives are anything but pure, I can step forward and I can, I can step into the, the message of God, knowing that the bigness of God, the, 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 the authority and the glory and the goodness of God is big enough to, um, to overcome it. And so um, I, I want to encourage you today that as uh, the question is begged, there's an opportunity for us to be able to answer the question with purity and with grace, even when our lives don't fully line up, even as we're wrestling through individual things. We, we know it's true, and so we can point people to the truth. As, as we say that, I want to say one final thing, which is that um, as we move into the, um, the holiday season, there's an opportunity that is somewhat unique to this season to invite people into um, our certainly our Sunday gatherings, but into the community. Um, typically, if you're in a community group, you will probably have a, uh, a Christmas party of some kind. If you are part of a group of friends, you will likely have a Christmas party of some kind. Um, you may have a Friendsgiving kind of uh, gathering. All kinds of gatherings will start to happen over the next uh, six to eight weeks, uh, maybe uh, eight to nine weeks as we uh, include New Year's in that as well. And as all of that unfolds, it's a great opportunity to uh, to make the jump to just invite to invite people into um, the the story of God to um, to invite them to encounter Jesus through the people of God, which by the way is uh, one of the most powerful 
<clears throat> excuse me, one of the most powerful and important ways for people to encounter the gospel today. Uh, you know, we talked a couple weeks ago about contextualization and how methods have changed over the years. And one of the key things in our society right now is that um, uh, people are lonely. People are in need of uh, real community. And so inviting people into a real community is a beautiful way to testify to the glory of Jesus. And so there's a couple things that are going to be coming up. Uh, certainly, we will have our regular Sunday gatherings, our um, Sunday gatherings starting in December through Christmas Eve are going to be highlighting original work by artists at York Alliance, both original songs as well as original uh, art pieces, visual art pieces that will be developed by artists of all generations at York Alliance. One of the things that we're seeking to do uh, this season is to highlight uh, artists from four different generations. And so really excited about that project and how that's going to unfold. And so um, I, I want to encourage you to step into uh, step into that, but invite people into it. It's going to be a great time to be able to say, this is what it means for us to be the body of Christ. I've mentioned before, I'll mention it again, and you'll start to hear more about it. Behold the Lamb of God, um, it, which is a, a musical representation of the story of God, that story of creation, fall, redemption, and restoration, put to music in a, a beautiful way. That is going to be unfolding on December 9th. Uh, some of our York Alliance musicians are going to be stepping into that. And uh, we're going to have two different showings at 2 o'clock and 7 o'clock. And uh, those are going to be really uh, good and um, and important times for you to invite friends and neighbors and coworkers to experience the gospel. And, and, and as I say those things, and then our Christmas Eve gathering, um, uh, for clarity, we will have, I know Christmas Eve falls on a Sunday, so we'll have our regular fourth Sunday of Advent on the 8.30 and 10.30 gatherings. And then at 6 o'clock, we're going to have a single candlelight service. And so we're going to uh, all gather together as one body, pack in, and have a uh, candlelight service. And so really uh, looking forward to that. All of those are opportunities for you to invite friends and neighbors to be along for the journey, to invite people in. And, um, and as I say that, let me remind you, People are, um, statistically at least, just waiting for an invitation. Um, that preaching the gospel is a, a simple invitation away from inviting people into the story. Well, our time's up for today. Looking forward to being back with you again tomorrow. Uh, may the grace and peace of Jesus rest on you. May you experience his goodness and his work flowing through you, uh, transforming you on the inside and flowing from you on the outside to a waiting and watching world. Have a great rest of the day. I will be back with you one more time tomorrow. Grace and peace to you.